um, so, hey. hey. Did you want to talk about Downton Abbey? No, I didn't. But, uh, what I do want to talk is follow up on what I said last week was going on here, which was the 35 millimeter screening of Shrek. Well, it's a bad news, good news thing. The bad news is, is that Shrek was not here in 35mm. It was here on a DCP, and as such, I did not go to it. But do you know what I did see today at the music box in 35mm? What? The gang's all here. A Bubsy Berkeley movie from 1943. The one that has the, uh, I don't know if infamous is the right word, or famous is the right word, Rudy Tooty Fruity Girl Carmen Miranda song. I don't think I know that. Uh, let me tell you, I went just expecting just a solid morning. At the most, it was going to be like The Pirate, which is a Vincent Minnelli uh, musical that I really like too. But I walked out of this being like, that might be one of the best musicals I've ever seen in my life. Uh, like, I'm oh, giving okay. it a 5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Like, I was legit, like, blown away by it. The plot doesn't matter. All that matters is the crazy imagery and the really cool dancing in it. Like, legit, I was just, like, I was smiling ear to ear the entire time. And the thing is, like, the plot doesn't matter, but it's still really funny throughout a lot of it. I highly recommend it. And apparently it's on YouTube. Uh, I saw... The, what was the name? The Gang's All Here. It's a propaganda film that's designed to help you sell war bonds. And normally I'm against propaganda, but let me tell you, as soon as this ended, I was like, where, where can I buy those war bonds? Because... <laughs> If my war bonds partially funds films like this, well, I guess the, indi- the military industrial complex is okay. <laughs> you can find the gangs all here on YouTube if you want to support the war effort. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's YouTube ads on it. It would be pretty cool. I-, I doubt this would never be the way it works. But imagine if it's on YouTube and it's like, yeah, the ads on YouTube go to the military. <laughs> That's what I did this week. Well, literally two hours ago. Well, I, I'm I'm coming to you from hell because New York is experiencing a heat wave right now. I've been doing rehearsals. We've I've got a show coming up, and it's just been hot. It's not not a whole lot to report because I go to rehearsal and then I come home, and I just turn on the air conditioner and go to sleep uncomfortable. Are you feeling more do the right thing? Or are you feeling more in the heights? Um, I'm feeling more do the right thing because do the right thing is just more about New York than in the Heights is. Well, it's too darn hot, like my man Cole Porter said. <laughs> Sorry. What I'm feeling right now is like, I feel like I'm underwater with how hot everything is, which I don't. That is if, pretty if do the right thing then, yeah. Well, if I can be kind of weird and subjective, I think Do the Right Thing is a dry heat. I don't feel wet watching Do the Right Thing because all of the characters are so active. And I'm trying to think of a movie that really captures the kind of heat that I'm feeling right now. Because it's a much... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What movie do you think of when you think of heat? Um, You want to talk about some Pixar shorts? Yeah. By the way, I'm Danny Vincent. Hey, I'm Mark Young, and this is Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar journey. What are we talking about today, Danny? Not only did I lie last week by seeing Shrek in 35mm, but I lied about the exact films we were covering this week. (laughs) 
for one thing, okay. I said, uh, I believe I said Winter was Andrew Stanton. That's Pete Doctor. Anyway, we're covering the student films of the original Pixar Brain Trust, which is John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Pete Doctor. So, and specifically, that is Lady in the Light and Nightmare for John Laster. And I also threw in a kind of a tech demo, kind of a proof of concept from John Laster of where the wild things are. And then we're covering Andrew Stanton's two student films, Somewhere in the Arctic and A Story. And then we're covering Pete Doctor's three student films, Winter, Palm Springs, and Next Door. So, if you didn't watch these, uh, I'm going to put you on blast on the pod. So, all right. Lady- I watched all of them. We'll find out. <laughs> Lady in the Lamp, Nightmare, and Where the Wild Things Are. These are John Lasters. Now, very important note is that while Lady in the Lamp and Night, And all these, I believe, were done at CalArts, which, you know, is the infamous uh, animation uh, school in California. Obviously. <laughs> mm. But uh, I say infamous because nowadays there's always this thing. It's not where, in like, like Calgary, Alberta. No, sorry. That's a uh, geography joke. No, everybody. I said no. All right, here we go. <laughs> Nowadays, whenever like a new cartoon comes out, they go like, ew, Cal Art style. I don't know if you ever see that on an- animation Twitter is a cesspool. I'm sorry if you came to this podcast from animation Twitter. We partially love you, but I also hate you. Like, I saw this thing on very side note animation Twitter. I saw everyone get mad at this thing from Yahoo News, which, granted, Yahoo News is terrible. I hate Yahoo News. What it was like. I didn't know Yahoo News still existed. Oh, it's bad. It's, it's very bad. But it was like a review of that new movie, The Bad Guys, uh, the new DreamWorks movie, where it was like, it's good if you have kids. And someone was like, this is so derogatory to its animation. Like, no, this is a movie that's legitimately made for children. So, like, like, this is a movie that's made, like, them saying it's a good movie for children and giving it a three out of four review, that's a positive review. Don't get mad at that review for saying that this movie that is made for children is for kids. Anyway. <laughs> How was the bad guys? There's a lot of bad things going on in the world. But I think one of the best things to happen in movies in the last few years, is that Spider-Verse was a legitimate commercial and critical hit. And that allows these studios to now in- experiment with their animation style. Because the bad guys looks gorgeous. And my my snappy one-liner take, which won't make much sense if people forgot, because most people forgot this movie, is that it's good that Aquafina is now in a good Ocean's Eleven reboot. Because she was in Ocean's 8, and I'm not a big fan of Ocean's 8, but the bad guys actually nails like the Ocean Soderbergh vibe way more than oceans 8 did anyway getting back to anyway, my cal arts so the point, people from cal arts yeah well no no the cal arts point is that like nowadays whenever a new cartoon comes out people be like this is the cal arts style where like the chin kind of sticks out and i thought it was kind of funny because i feel like you can see the cal arts style in this film and in, in some of these films because it's a very distinct uh style like have you ever seen well, no actually I showed you when we were in college, Star vs. the Forces of Evil. I don't know if you remember the character designs for that, but that is like peak Cal art style. That and Steven Universe. You know what I'm saying, yeah. right? I'm trying to get like yeah. to what the Cal art style is. Yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. I kind of disagree about labeling something like the Cal art style. Oh, I disagree because too. I'm just saying this is something animation cherry does. picking. Yeah. Yeah. So all these were done in Cal arts. <laughs> Every one of them. Every, I, I think, well, Where the Wild Things Are was not. And I also noticed a story in the credits, Thanks Pixar, which I thought was interesting. Or Next Door, one of them too does. I think all three of these, all three of the directors had one that was weak. I think you, would you agree with me on that? I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't think a story or Where the Wild Things Are is on the list. Because I'm looking at the list. Mark, 
All right, I will explain to you, and you can either keep this in the episode or cut it. So last week, I, and this is what I said at the beginning, and I lied about Shrek, is that I forgot to mention some of the movies. However, in the document that I sent to you that includes links to everything, I added where the wild things are in a story. Oh, yep. And there, there are, are links the to them. So either you watched them or you didn't, but the links were there where you were supposed to look for the movies. All right. So... <laughs> Well, in any case, I do agree with you that some of these are stronger and some are weaker. I was mostly impressed by the length of all of them. Mm, yeah. Most are longer than a minute and a half, which is crazy for hand-drawn animation. Especially that was some of the animation here is really good in a couple of these. But go on with what you were saying about strong and weak. Well, I think uh, my point was going to be, I think John Laster is the one where I think both of... Wait, so did you watch Where the Wild Things Are or not? I did not. So I thought both of John Laster's were bad. Uh, <laughs> I thought Where the Wild Things Are is fascinating. It's a piece of animation history. Because uh, it's a hybrid CG computer animated and traditional animation that looks on the level of what Disney eventually did with Tarzan like 10 years later. Wow, that sounds it's, like the one that I should have watched. Yeah, well, it's not really a story. It's like an animation test. It was kind of cool to look at. Um, it's something where, though, I'm still glad we got the Spike Jones movie, because I'm willing to bet it'd be a way better movie than whatever the Disney-fied version of it would be. I thought Lady in the Lamp... <laughs> Lady in the Lamp is one joke, and it's not that funny. <laughs> it really yeah. isn't. Lady in the Lamp and Nightmare are high concept, and they just don't really go anywhere but the production value is high uh i'd I say for a nightmare the... it is i think laying the lamp is still like purple i mean i think it might be part of the choice i think it looks a little rough because it's very pencil sketchy and yeah well, i mean some... i accept that uh, um but i don't know nightmare two things we're talking about the place in pixar history well these both have very obvious places in pixar history these feel like forebearers of course to Luxo Jr. with the lamp, and uh, Nightmare feels like somewhat of a Monsters, Inc., you know, like building the Monsters, Inc. Uh, I do think that it's interesting to see how he chooses to humanize the lamp, like the walk that it has. I don't really have the language for it, but I, I can imagine that making this solid object into some kind of fluid object with those rules is very difficult so i did appreciate lady and the lamp for how the lamp moved and it wasn't just like give it legs or make it hobble around like the base actually asks acts as feet in a way do you know what memories actually the it brought back more than luxo jr to me was um the brave little toaster I don't know why, like, I have very vivid memories of that film, watching that movie a bunch as a kid, but yet I have no idea what happened in it. Like, unlike Toy Story and a bunch of other stuff, it's just, like, actually remembering what that movie's about, other than, I guess it was about a brave little toaster, uh, is, uh, mm -hmm. if I remember right, I think Laster was somewhat involved with Brave Little Toaster, because I remember when it came out, people were accusing Toy Story of ripping it off. Do you want to do an episode of Brave Little Toaster? I think that'd be fun, but maybe, maybe in a little bit. Back to this movie, <laughs> these movies. I don't know. I don't have much to say more about Lady and the Lamp. Uh, I like the animation style of Nightmare a lot, though. Uh, it works for me better because I don't think the joke is as tired, even though it is, again, just one joke that's repeating. But I like the gag. And I also think it has good sound design. It doesn't sound like a stock 
um, trees scraping the window. And that's what I like about it, too. I think I would have preferred it as a stock trees scraping the window. That was another joke that didn't exactly work for me. Was it a joke? I thought it was just like, ooh, that actually is gross. Well, I've seen it done before. I should have found other examples of this. But that moment really confused me. Because can't you imagine in your mind like a tree scraping a window and then you look up and you see, oh, it's not a monster hand, it's a tree. But something about the acting in that scene kind of threw me. Like it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have an arc or his expression is weird or something like that. Like it needs to be, it needs to be like an actual monster hand before it becomes a tree branch. There's, it's something that's like old Disney that I'm thinking of that, that does it better. I would but agree. That's, that's just another thing that threw me about a nightmare is that it's once again this very ambitious project with so much going on and some parts of it just don't exactly come together. To me, it doesn't really start until the the strobe effect happens and then suddenly the monsters are actually there. So to me, that when the kid's afraid of it, I don't care. But when like the monsters in his bed terrified of it, that works for me because the monster is has such a more expressive character model. Um, and Which again, is like the last twenty seconds of the movie. Well, yeah, but it's the best part of it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that to me, in and of itself, makes it better than Lady in the Lamp. Andrew Stanton, did you watch the story or no? If you didn't, it's fine. No, but I Cut. watched his other ones. Okay, then I'll talk briefly about a story. I think a story is way better than Somewhere in the Arctic. Um, it's goofy. Oh, it's I loved Somewhere in the Arctic. That was probably my favorite of all of these, if I had to compare all of them. I'll, I'll, just, say, I'll just say right now, uh, I felt uncomfortable at points watching Somewhere in the Arctic. Uh, it felt a little dated in its depictions of Native Americans, or Inuit people, rather. Native Americans probably isn't the right word. But that's not why I had an issue with it entirely. I had other issues with it, too. But a story is... Can I just spoil a story for you? Uh, yeah. So it opens as a storybook that's in live action. And I believe it's Andrew Stanton narrating. He's like, I'm going to read you this story. It's like about a kid who loves TV. And then this monster that actually right now, if I tell you this, I want you to Google a story to look at the image of the monster. Because a monster shows up who looks very exactly like a Pixar character from 15 years later uh, while he's watching TV pulls the kid into the TV and then they go on an adventure where a clown kidnaps him and threatens to murder the king but then the clown actually does kill the king and the kid dies off screen and it's like and that's the end of the story <laughs> and that, that's the whole thing <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed cool. it more uh, because it was more of a full story, no pun intended. Uh, and also, it was, I think the animation style was way more nuanced here. Uh, a lot of diversity in the character designs. And I, I just thought it was it was fun. I noticed the name of the credits of both this and Somewhere in the Arctic, which is noteworthy for animator, animators, which was Rich Moore, who directed a ton of Simpsons episodes. But moreover, he directed Wreck-It Ralph. And co-directed Zootopia. So, way in the future, going to work for Disney. Uh, he also directed a lot of Futurama. So, it's interesting to see him in Andrew Stanton's early work. Um, it makes me wonder if he was ever like invited to go to Pixar, and he just didn't go, you know? But, yeah, I like the story. Did you look up a story to see the character design, or no? 
I did, and I totally agree with you. It's solely for Monster Tank. Uh, yeah. I, I want. I was keeping it on the download so Mark could just see for himself. It's hundred percent just solely for Monster Tank, which is weird because Andrew Shinton direct that. But as we know from the uh, classic Pixar teaser trailers, which I also want to dedicate an episode to, I have to add it to the schedule. Uh, do you remember the Wally teaser trailer? Uh, no. The Wally teaser trailer. So, and again, we're going to dedicate probably an episode to the Pixar teaser trailers because they're almost all at least. Up until, I believe, Cars 2? Maybe Brave? I don't know when they stopped. They're all, like, exclusive footage for the movie that is not actually in the film proper. Like, you know, it's like teaser... It's like a short with the characters. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, Wally, they didn't do that. Wally, if you went to go see Ratatouille, you sat in the theater, uh, and always, you know, the Pixar trailers last, because it's telling you it's not going to come out for a year. And all of a sudden, you get a black and white image of pete doctor andrew stanton and john lasseter on screen and they go like do you remember when we founded pixar and we had that lunch where we talked about all those movie ideas we had we had an idea about monsters that lived indoors we had an idea about a fish looking for his son i'm trying to remember what the last one was oh and of course toys coming to life but we never made a movie i do of that remember last that one. trailer now and then, it's, and then it's like, this is our last one of those original ideas. It's Wally. And they show you just a little bit of Wally. And honestly, me talking about the trailer gives me chills. It's like, really think about how audacious that is to release that as a trailer to like what is ostensibly in 2007 being marketed as the next year's big kids movie with Wally. But we're going to have these filmmakers sit down and talk to you about the genesis of this idea. <laughs> uh, but anyway, with all that, that is why. Maybe to get back to this, maybe that's how the design of Wally came uh, solely came from here. You know? Oh yeah, I'm Pete sure Doctor that film. there was cross pollination. Yeah, especially under these early films, uh, where you know Pete Doc and Monsters Inc. is the first film not directed by Lasseter. Yeah. All right. Somewhere in the Arctic. Let's talk about somewhere in the Arctic because you watched that one. Somewhere in the Arctic. Well, it is basically it's like duck amuck. Um, well, it's not, it's not actually mostly like Duck Amuck. It is... A, it's a gag short. It's, it's a gag short. Yeah, it's a gag short. That's a good way of putting it. It's just a bunch of Inuit people chasing a polar bear. And the polar bear tries to trick them or pacify them in a few different ways. Like, it puts up a sign that says library, so they all think they have to be quiet and read books. And it puts on a song by The Temptations, so everyone chills out and dances to The Temptations. And it's it's not... it is pretty funny. It, I'll admit, like, despite my discomfort with the... To me, I felt like they were racial stereotypes. Uh, I did laugh a bit, like, quite a bit during this. It's really... Most of the gags work. Like, Yeah, they're not... There's not a lot of internal motivation, but I do think they're solid gags. And my favorite is the one which I did not recognized from something else but i thought was really cool and i'm sure it's ripped off from somewhere but the polar bear leaves the cartoon and walks out into the audience and you see his silhouette watching the short film and then the inuit people are like where did he go and they walk towards the camera and like see him watching oh, the movie as it's, a it's the walking up that gets me the walking yeah. up is what gets me. Because I've seen the MST3K stuff in old Looney Tunes shorts, but I can't ever remember a time of, like, Daffy walking up to the camera and it's like, Bugs, what are you... Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a... Yeah. It gets so ridiculously huge, too. <laughs> it, 
Uh, and I yeah. also love the last joke of it, which is um, when they run back into the movie, but they run back on different planes of existence. So the polar bear is kaiju sized, and yeah, the it's like people how people are like really tiny. <laughs> so gag short, that's what it is. Besides, okay. I did say Bob besides racial stereotypes, and the other reason is I don't really think... I mean, there is a progression to the gags, but it's one of those things where unlike, say, a Wile E. Coyote short, you know, where we get, like, the fade in and fade out, maybe it's because it's all just one continuous shot that, to me, it doesn't really feel like it's ever going anywhere. Even though, obviously, it ends on the best place to end, it just still never really feels to me like it's building to that. And I think that's why it didn't Mm -hmm. quite work for me. I will throw in that these are also kind of quibbles, and these are obviously very technically accomplished student films. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. These are better than anything I saw in film school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these are these, way better. These are amazing. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of... They're, they're shorts, and I think they're mostly designed to show off technical skill more than be like shorts that have to stand alone as a story. And then finally, Pete. we get to Pete Doctor. Winter, Palm Springs, and Next Door. All right. Your favorite was Summer in the Arctic. My favorite was Winter. It's very short and sweet. More than anything else here, this is the one that took me back to my childhood. It gave me that Ratatouille feeling. Not because of the short itself, actually. Because, I I mean, yeah, I remember, of course, getting ready to go outside on Winter. But where it brought me back was... And it's, it's this... His art style is like this next door too, but it feels more fitting in a story. Is that this feels like a Calvin and Hobbes short brought to the strip brought to life? Uh, the art style just reminds me of like flipping my dad's Calvin and Hobbes books that he had in his room, and it really is uh, takes me back to that warm nostalgia of maybe I just came in from the snow and I'm in my parents' room and I'm grabbing a Calvin and Hobbes book in the afternoon on winter break. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I, like, it really took me straight back to that. And I also think the gag is really fun. It's a one gag short, but the build up to it is night, just the right amount of length that the gag still made me laugh at the end, even though I've seen this before. And it, it yeah. feels like it would have been nostalgic for Pete when he was making it too. I'm on first name basis with him, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> what do you think Mr. of Winter? Yeah. <laughs> um, I agree that it was nostalgic and sweet. I think that I really wanted to see the progression of the joke more than the build-up to it, and the short is mostly build-up to the final joke, which doesn't really go anywhere. It's just not animated in a way that does anything with the joke. You kind of get it that the kid can't move once they're bundled up in all these clothes, but don't you want to see how the kid tries to move? What are the limits of his movement? We see a little bit of that when he flips his hands, but it just doesn't mean anything in terms of how he'll play in the snow. And then the the short ends. That was my beef with it. I think the short could have begun when the kid steps outside uh, and is already bundled up. To me, the thing is, is that and the reason I want to give this more credit is maybe, maybe I'm wrong. This is the only filmmaker we have where there are three shorts. So I have to assume this was his sophomore year. He or, actually, in his little interview, if you watch this oh, I as the it was given yeah. it, he yeah. says this was his first short film. 
again for that like you know what my first short film was <laughs> like <laughs> have you seen well yeah <laughs> i think it's really good for a first short film it's evocative it's nice and the animation is really good too and i don't know i, I guess it's just what you want out of it you know i see what you're saying but to me it's like eh. uh you know what also that reminds me of is a christmas story and i think that's probably actually well I was going to say, it might be an inspiration from, but you know what? A Christmas Story, I always forget, came out in like 85, 1985, and I think this was 86 or 87. I think that it's interesting that you were pulled to the setting, and I'm pulled a little more to the action. And yet, yeah. you don't love the John Lasseter shorts, which I think are full of ambiance, and the action is a little... So the story is a little bit all over the place, but... That's what I would say is a positive about the John Lasseter shorts is they really go for the backgrounds and setting the tone of the stories. The thing is that the John Lasseter ones, else. what I was going to say with the John Lasseter ones, and this is our our weekly mention of John Lasseter being a creep, uh, is that I just found them kind of repulsive. Well, we mention it every time he comes up. <laughs> like, at least once a week we mention that, yeah, he's not great anymore. Uh but I find them kind of repulsive in a sense. And the reason I say that is like in Lady in the Lamp, when the first thing I get is this guy walking by like, oh, let's get ready for you to be for this woman I want. I'm really excited for her to see you. And it's just like, dude, who cares? Like, it's just a lamp shop. We don't need this ridiculous ending thing where a woman walks in and it's like, I want that lamp. It's just, I, I just don't like the conceit behind the atmosphere. If that makes sense. Nightmare to me is a similar thing where, like, let's say winter. I feel like to me, if winter was an ongoing thing where it's like, oh, the kid just wants to go play and he's trying to get up and we're going to do wacky adventures of that. I think I would get tired of that. Us leaving it just like, oh, his mom cares so much from that he's getting ready. Oh, but he fell over. Pan out. Everyone on the, the cul-de-sac is also stuck in the snow because they're too bundled up. I think that, to me, works better than overplaying your hand. Does that make sense? That would be a great short. That didn't actually happen, though. That's a hilarious concept. That's not how that short ended. Yeah, it did. What are you talking about? With everyone bundled up and unable to move? Yeah, what are you... Did you turn it off before it ended? Because that's how it ended. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking no, at that's... That's great. I must... Well... There were there were things I don't know I okay it's the camera the camera pans out and you hold on I'm trying to open it up right now so I can I thought it just panned out and that was the end and then no you can I see... just stopped paying attention no you can see literally let me count one two three four five six other kids stuck in the snow <laughs> same way oh, he okay. is yeah yeah that's what come on Mark well that that is You're a failing very nice me this week. concept. <laughs> I have... It's so hot. You can't deal with I watched winter. these all like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, same. Anyway, Palm Springs, this you is the one I didn't like of the Pete Doctor ones. It's just one pun. It's a pun? Palm Springs? Did you not get it? It's the, I know that it's... They're bouncing on a palm tree. Palm Springs. Oh. Well, for what it's worth, maybe I just... Something about the Pete Doctor ones just did not capture me at all. Oh, I thought Palm Springs was bad, though, too. I was not into it. Because I'm missing, I'm missing what they were about. 
And next door got me back to those Calvin and Hobbes vibes, but the difference is it kind of felt like somewhere in the Arctic to me where it doesn't really feel like it's building to anything. Yeah. And then when well, it does... Well, I think that the kazoo was something. It's something, but then you don't even get, like, a payoff of him... I don't think he... I, think I, have, maybe... no, I have no memory. That is the <laughs> deal with these student shorts, is that across the board, the pacing is so bad that you kind of drift in and out the art style, I thought, was really good. Because it feels very 3D, in a sense. There's a lot mm-hmm. of cool movement with perspective that makes it feel very proto-computer animation. Though, as far as I can tell, it is entirely hand-drawn. It, excellingly well-animated in that regard. Yeah, and I think that it plays with a lot of different scenarios very well. Like, cuts every time it cuts to the girl's perspective, it's somehow different or the perspective is warped in some way and you don't lose the action of what they're doing which i thought was really cool so what can we take away from these shorts for pixar the beginnings of john lasseter andrew stanton and pete doctor i think that if these were made by people in their early 20s it's pretty clear that they would go on to make something like Pixar. Yeah. Or they would they would go on to make the movies that Pixar has made. These are incredibly accomplished student films. And it's it's easy to see how they foreshadow a lot of the characters and situations of Pixar films. And even like I mean, of, emotional depth to me. Like to me, winter hints at like the type of, like, stuff you'll get in, like, the nostalgia childhood type of thing you get in Nightmare 2, you know? You know what I mean? Like, how mm-hmm. Pixar movies are all about really valuing the innocence. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Uh, I don't really I think it does, but okay. that's... I mean, I think it does, but that's another thing that's a you take and yeah. less of something that I've talked about or I've thought about watching them. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, very fair. Mm. I do uh, think that, you know, these are these are cherry-picked by them to be out in the world, but it is interesting how you can draw a line from each of these to something that would come up later in Pixar movies. Although, I'm still waiting for my Pixar movie about the polar bear. Unless that's foreshadowing for the Coca-Cola That was the norm of the North. <laughs> Pixar movie! <laughs> We're gonna do a norm of the North episode. If anyone, I made a note to myself to do less tangents in this recording, but I do think it's interesting for the audience to know that for a couple, maybe a year or maybe two years, Danny and his roommate Julius in college had a poster for Norm of the North on their door of their dorm. It's memorialized in some of our student films. Uh, The one where the ghost... Billy Wilder disappears in a <laughs> You know, I was talking to Julius about that one, and I was saying, well, actually, I talked to everyone, I'm like, you know, I think that was actually my biggest accomplishment. Of, I think that is the best film I ever made in film school is uh, Shit in a Can. Uh, 100%. I think I... Everything else I made was not nearly as well-rounded as that was, if that makes sense. That, that it seems like something that Criterion would release having Billy Wilder, you know, the young student, and you have Billy Wilder played by a young black man who, (laughs) like, appears as a vision. He's reading the script. (laughs) He's reading (laughs) the script of the movie he's in. 
it's it's like it's very brechtian yeah all right i think that's us for now next time we will do our first episode dedicated to a single short we will see if it comes out shorter or not we will be covering the first official pixar short luxo jr Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar podcast, is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. I do the editing, and our artwork is done by Sarah Knopf. Yeah, and you can find us at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter at Pixar Journey, and on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, markyoungperformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Wise with Ty and Dan and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Blankment for all my takes on all the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.